So we are wrapping up our series called Blessed. The key to living a life that God can bless in amazing ways is to live and give generously. It's not about how much money we make, but what we do with it that determines how much of God's blessings we experience in our lives. Are you being faithful with everything that God has given you? And I'm not just necessarily talking about finances. I'm talking about being a husband or a wife. Being, uh, being a father, being a friend, being a child of God? Are you being faithful with what God has given you, the gifts? He's, if you are a believer, he's given everyone a spiritual gift. Are you using that spiritual gift to be a blessing to someone else? We have to remind ourselves that we don't exist to take, but to give. It's when we turn our focus away from the things we don't have and choose to be thankful for everything we do have, that we'll be blessed. I know uh, rich people who are very wealthy that are miserable. And I know very poor people who are content and they have so much joy in their lives. Really, after, after, all, after all, everything we have is God's anyway. When we give, whether it be our finances, our talents, or our time, God changes our hearts. Doesn't he do, when, you, when you give, whatever it is, when you have an opportunity to be a blessing to someone, doesn't it do something to you? I mean, it, it, I know when I do it, there's just something special that I just like, I say to myself, like, wow, like, I was just a part of something really special. And, and, I, and I love when God gives me those opportunities to be able to do that. But when we give, we become more like Christ. And that's what it's all about, to become more like Christ. <clears throat> living a blessed life ties into directly to who you're living this life for. Are you living this life for yourself? Are you living it for other people? Are you living it for people's approval? If you're, are you living it to get, you know, the pats on the back? Or are you living it for your creator? It's having a peace. It's having a contentment and a joy no matter what your circumstances look like. It's faith in knowing that you're God's kid and your daddy is going to always take care of you. Those that are believers out there, isn't there something that you can't explain, something very special about being God's child and knowing that the one who created the whole universe has got your back? I mean, there's nothing better than that. That God allows everything, that God allows everything, let me repeat that. That God allows everything in your life to happen for a reason. Whatever you're facing right now, whatever your spouse is facing right now, whatever your kids are facing right now, 
There is a bigger purpose and a bigger reason. And God has given you an opportunity to build your trust and faith in him because of the circumstance you're facing right now. I don't know about you, but I know for me, whenever I face a trial, I get on my knees a little bit more. I trust God a little bit more. So isn't that more important than even what you're going through? That you draw closer to the Lord? Because this life is temporary. It's, it's gone, just like that. And then we have eternity. Being blessed means you have full confidence that God is crazy in love with you. And that you have the supernatural power of God working in you and through you. If you don't realize how much God loves you, and I got to back off a little bit because I'm, I'm like really intense right now, saying like how much God loves you, and I'm like, like you know, want to like tackle someone, you know. God is crazy in love with you. And it will take a lifetime to fully grasp that. And even in this life, you won't fully grasp that. You will you only fully grasp that when you stand face to face with him, if he's your Lord and Savior. If you do not know how much God loves you, it's impossible for you to live a blessed life. You can't do it. You cannot do it on your own. There are some blessings that are greater than money. Wouldn't you guys agree? There was a friend I know who's had a couple of miscarriages, and and, uh, they shared their ultrasound this past week of their baby's heartbeat. You can't put a price tag on that, can you? There is a husband who attends our church, and And he's been an unbeliever for all of his life. Because of his wife's genuine faith in Jesus and the example that she has been, he just surrendered his life to Christ and is going to be baptized in December. Is that awesome or what? You think you can put a price tag on on that for that wife? who's been praying for him for decades and not giving up hope? Listen, if you're a spouse right now and you don't know Jesus and your spouse does, you might as well just surrender. It's going to happen. So quit fighting it. Quit thinking that, that, that this whole God-Jesus thing isn't for you. It's for you. It's for you. You got to change. You, you know what? If, if your spouse... Uh, serves here and she's got a bunch of Christian friends, not only is your wife or is your husband praying for you, if, if the husband's the believer and the wife isn't, their friends are playing, praying for you. Your, your name is probably up on this wall. Good luck. Good luck. Think about how your life 
could have an e even greater impact if you lived an even more generous life. If you lived a grateful life. Not just at church, but in your home. Does your family know how grateful you are? What if you complained less and celebrated more? What if your joy was contagious to be around? What if you experienced a contentment, not just with what you have, but because you have fallen completely in love with Jesus? How would your life look differently if you lived the blessed life? If you realize that this life is not all about you and your happiness. And that the seeds of faith that you plant now will survive long after you're gone. Do you want your children to serve the Lord? Do you? Do you want your grandchildren to serve the Lord? I do. What about your great-great-grandchildren? Do you want them to serve the Lord? The seeds you plant today will impact that long after you're gone. We have shared a lot of principles in the series to live by for the rest of your lives. And I want to revisit Philippians 4. So we're going to be in Philippians 4, 14 through 18 again. So if you have your Bibles or your phone app, or we'll put it on the screen as well, pull that up. So Philippians 4, the Apostle Paul was facing persecution. And new churches were being started throughout the region. And so you had new believers who were growing in their faith and becoming mature and generous. Let me say something real quick. Do you realize just because people have been a Christian for years doesn't mean that they are mature and that they're growing in their faith? There are people I know that have just came to the Lord in the last few months who are on fire for Jesus, on fire, and they are growing and they're hungry. And then I know believers that have been believers for 20, 30 years. And you can't tell. You can't tell. And they're just going through the motions. Yeah, maybe they show up every Thursday. Maybe they show up every Sunday. But they're not growing. And they're, they're not mature in their faith. So Paul is talking to the church of Philippi. And we're starting with 14. He says, even so... You have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news, the gospel, and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. <clears throat> Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, 
I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. Do you know God blesses and honors generosity and kindness? He remembers when you give someone a cool drink of water. If he remembers that, what else will he remember in this life? Verse 18, at that moment, I have all I need and more. Paul doesn't really have a whole lot. He spent a lot of his life in prison. He's saying, I have all I need and more. You know why? Because he has Christ. He says, I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Aphroditus, Aphroditus, however you want to say that. I always butcher that one. They, your generous acts, are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable, acceptable and pleasing to God. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5 says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. So Paul knows what they're going through. Going through. He's, he's a shepherd. He knows what they're going through, and he knows that, that they don't have a lot, that they don't have a lot. And so you have all these new Christians that are coming to the Lord. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they have, that gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it on their own free will. Maybe some of you are going to be doing that today as well. This offering you're going to be put in the baskets. Maybe it's a little uncomfortable because you've never given that amount of money before. But you're taking a step of faith. And maybe you've added another zero to what you were initially going to give. Or maybe it was maybe, maybe another hundred dollars more, maybe another couple hundred dollars more. And they did it on their own free will. They weren't coerced. Paul, Paul, Paul didn't pressure them. But they gave because there was so much joy in their hearts that they counted it as a privilege to be able to give and to advance the kingdom. Listen, when you have real joy, that turns into action. And you wake up in the morning and you look to be a blessing to someone. Do you do that on a regular basis? What about tomorrow morning? What about today when you go maybe out to eat? And as you sit down at the table, and, you know, many of us like to go out to eat because we're served. But what if you become the servants? And what if you smile at your waiter or waitress, and, and, and before you pray, you just ask them, say, hey, my family is going to pray for our, our meal. Is there anything we could pray for you about? And maybe you leave a generous tip if you are not a good tipper, go home. Especially if you have a bridge bumper sticker on the back of your car. Go home. Verse 4, they begged us again and again 
for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They said, we want to give more and more. We want to give more of our time. We want to give more of our talents. We want to give more of our treasures for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped. For their first action, this is really important, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. So if you come up here and you put an envelope in the basket, but you don't know Jesus, get to know Jesus first. Surrender your heart, surrender your life to Jesus, because whatever you put in there is not going to get you to heaven. It's not going to get you. The only thing that gets you to Jesus, the only bridge that gets you to where you're at, to God, is Jesus. It's his death on the cross. It's his resurrection from the tomb. It's surrendering your life. It's saying that, God, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I want to make you the center of my life. Because if you haven't, how is it working out for you so far? Probably not very good. And you will continue to be frustrated. You'll continue to be angry. You'll continue to be bitter. You'll continue to find life and meaning in things, in people, in places, in jobs, in careers, in cars. And at the end of your life, you're going to say, what a waste. What a waste. Matthew 6, 20 says, Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Listen, when you give to a church, you are making an eternal difference. When you give to missionaries who are reaching people for Jesus all across this country and all across this world, you are making a difference. When you give to a, tr- a Christian organization, you are making a difference. We are called to be a church that loves with action. And I just want to take a few minutes and share what your giving has done and is doing right now. And this is pretty remarkable. For missions, our community, American and foreign missions. You know our yearly budget for missions that we give to the community, American foreign, is $137,000 a year that we just give to those mission organizations and missionaries around the world. Almost $140,000. We give thousands of dollars, and you have given thousands of dollars, whether you realize it or not, to help victims of catastrophic weather here and around the world. You've given to the Haiti earthquake relief. You've given to the Ecuador disaster relief this past year. Do you know that you're part of help planning churches around the country and in our own community? Do you know that more people are coming to Christ through new, through new churches that are being started than ever before? There are more people coming to Christ through new churches than any other church out there. 
That's why we believe in church planning. That's why we believe in starting new campuses. You gave money to a church plant in Smithfield called Life Spring Church that just launched this year. They're impacting lives. There's no affiliation with the bridge. But you gave and your money went to help start that church. You gave to a Methodist children's home. I'm not sure how the Methodists feel about the bridge, but we love the Methodists. That was kind of a joke. That wasn't funny. But listen, I got a Methodist background. I love my Methodist, my Methodist brothers and sisters. Do you know that there's a church in Mount Olive that's not affiliated with the bridge? And they have fallen on hard times. And this past month, they had some damage to the roof. So we, recently, the bridge gave them money to help them with the roof. And a carpenter in the bridge heard about that and said, I want to be a part of that. So he's now at, the, at that church in Mount Olive helping to build a new roof for that church. Is that awesome or what? Two people are excited. Awesome. Our international campus in Halate, Belize. Jerry Allen, who's a lawyer that, that attends the bridge, and yes, he's saved. He's very he's been very generous with that with that uh, that international campus that the bridge has. We have upfitted that church building in Halate. We sent out a missionary team every single year of fifteen to twenty people that go and, and pour into that community and, and help with the construction. They put in a water purification system. They have Vacation Bible School, and these are just some of the kids. This is some of our bridge kids in Halate, Belize, who you love on because you give. Isn't that awesome? They're developing a campground property for adult training and youth camps. Once completed, this campus in Halate will serve many churches across Belize, and I believe even in Guatemala, that's just right next door. There's going to be soccer fields there. You know how big soccer is over there? For, for kids and for adults to come and play soccer and have a safe place. For, for leaders, not just church leaders, but for business leaders to come to be equipped to become a better leader. That's what you're giving, that's what you're giving is going towards. Our largest American missions project in Lynch, Kentucky, the eastern part of Kentucky, one of the most impoverished areas in, in the United States. We sent a team there. I believe we sent a team of 60 to 70 people this past year. Just loved on them. Because you gave, you filled 1,100 book bags for children at four different schools. Because you gave, you built an addition onto an elderly man's home that previously had a one-room shack. You built an addition onto Club 180 there in Lynch, Kentucky, which is a place kids can go to get off the streets and away from drugs and hear about Jesus. Awesome. You did a makeover for a 20-man bunkhouse so youth can come from churches all across the country and serve on missions teams there and have a place to sleep, to bore into that community. You provided over a 1,000 meals for local children this year 
in Lynch, Kentucky. You built a bathroom and ran water lines for a little boy named Gavin who has a childhood disease and is, in on, on, is on oxygen. You helped build a bathroom for him. You provided a new roof for a man named Silas and his wife who are not believers yet. Who does that? Who builds a new roof for someone? Because they need it. Who does that? Christians do. People that love Jesus do. People who give life by give Christ do. You delivered a trailer full of toys to give away at Christmas time to families devastated by the coal mines closing and those floods that happened in Kentucky recently in the last year. Do you know that the bridge serves at the soup kitchen and feeds nearly 150 people every single week? Right now, we have a team that's serving homeless. Hot dogs. Bright leaf. Hot dogs. Still getting over it. Hot dogs are not supposed to be red. I mean, give us some Yankee dogs, some brown ones. If it, if it makes you feel better, we can call it tube steak. We serve over 20,000 tube steaks every year. There are some churches that have come to us and said, we want to be a part of reaching the homeless in our area. Please help us. We've never done a soup kitchen before. So, so the bridge has come alongside of other churches in our community to help get, them start, get that started as well, to love and serve them. This, I heard this on Thursday, and it blew my mind. Guess how much the bridge has given outside the church just this past year? How much the church has given outside the church this past year? A quarter of a million dollars. Is that awesome or what? I don't think some of you heard that. This year, you want to talk about outreach? Listen, you can't do a lot of outreach without money. This year, the bridge has given outside the church a quarter of a million dollars this past year. That's giving life by giving Christ. That's what it's all about. And there's so much more. I mean, I could take hours and talk to you guys about what your money is doing, what your giving is doing. And there's people in here, this is your first time coming, and this is your first time coming to the bridge, and, and you're like, man, all, all churches do is talk about money. All they want is my money. Listen, money is so important because that's where your heart is. And if we were to keep that quarter of a million dollars and just keep it inside these walls, God wouldn't bless that. He don't bless that. I'm going to have the worship team come on up. And uh, as they do, I'm going I'm to read you a story. <clears throat> this is, um, there's a, there's a, a military airman that works, that, that, that is in our church. His name is Sean Douglas. And he wrote a book called Decisions. And uh, you can get it at our, our, our Princeton bookstore. We're going to try to get some of those books over here as well. But he wrote a book called Decisions. I haven't got a chance to read it yet, but um, 
I know Pastor, Pastor Farrell has. And <clears throat> I want to read you, uh, I think this is like the, in the closing chapter of his book. And uh, just read a few minutes of his book, Decisions. It says, when I was deployed, my wife Candy found the Bridge Church through a friend who was supporting her. The Bridge has a military ministry called Call to Arms for active duty military and veterans to connect with each other. She would tell me how amazing it felt to be amongst those who were also dealing with issues and didn't judge. I was just skeptical because I didn't feel like I need religion to solve my problems. She had found a support system within the church, which was great for her, but it was not for me. I was very happy for her, and she was smiling and doing well while I was gone. But religion wasn't for me. I didn't feel a connection to it like other people did. I didn't need to believe in something I had no proof even existed. I told her to keep going to church, but count me out. When I returned home, I went to a service with full skepticism and closed-mindedness. I was thinking this is going to be a boring preacher who just tells you what you want to hear and just wants you to give to the church with your money, etc. The first service I attended at the bridge, and what do they talk about in the sermon? The pastor was preaching about how everyone needs to serve God by giving their tithes. I turned to Candy during service, and I said, See, I told you I was right. I'm leaving. I'll be in the car. And he's saying this to her during service. Candy said, Can you please stay with me and hear the pastor out? My wife said, I sat through the sermon, arms crossed, mad the rest of the time. After service, Candy begged me to keep going back. And it was going to be different each time. I was so closed off at this point. I didn't care what she said as long as she left me alone. She bugged him so much. They said, I'll go back again. I was pleasantly surprised a few Sundays later when the pastor preached on different topics and felt like they were relevant. As I continued attending service, I felt more and more open to pastor's message. Pretty soon, I would wake up excited to go to church. The more I went, the more I felt the transformation happening inside of me. God was working in my life the entire time. He was stirring things within me and tossing stuff around like it was spring cleaning. I didn't feel the weight of the world on my back anymore. I didn't feel the temptations to drink and be rude to my wife and my kids. My self-defeating behaviors seemed to dissipate a little by little, Sunday after Sunday. And I felt calmer and more at ease. A breath of fresh air was breathed into my life, and I felt renewed and rejuvenated. Towards the end of 2014, our family never missed a Sunday service. 
and we started committing ourselves to Christ as a family. As God was pouring into our family, we were all changing as well, and we started pouring into each other. We stopped bringing electronic devices to the dinner table. We turned the TV off. We prayed before each meal, and we talked to each other at dinner about our day and the blessings we had in our lives. It has been a wonderful experience and transformation. That's why you give. That's why you give to see lives transformed. That's why you give to see families transformed. Imagine, I believe they had three small kids. Imagine if candy didn't start coming to the bridge. Imagine if Sean continued to live in his bitterness and anger and hated everything about God and, and hated everything about church and what Christians stood for. Imagine what those kids would live for, who they would live for for the rest of their lives. But because God somehow allowed all of us to be a part of a church of movement called the bridge. That family's changed forever. And those kids, when they have kids, they'll be changed forever because a seed was planted. And the seed you plant today will last long after you're gone. So what we're going to do is we're going to worship, we're going to sing, and we're going to give. And we're going to give, we're going we're gonna to come up, come up here. Uh, probably the easiest thing to do, so we're not all kind of running in, into each other, is just if everyone would exit this way, come back around. You can use both baskets here, and then come back around and seat that way. And the same thing with this, this section over here. Just come this way and come back around. And um, we'll just, there's quite a bit of people in here, so we'll go row by row. And just coming up here, um, whatever you have, whatever you have, it's going to make an eternal impact. If you, have, if you have a Connect card, throw that in there as well. And, uh, and let's just worship God together. And we're going to do something, uh, something pretty special at the end here. So let's, let's worship together.